Hi, I'm Dr. Jamil Sayaj. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about some deep stuff. I'm here to tell you that you're amazing. And often, the only person who can't see that is you. No matter who you are, what you do, or where you're from, there's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey everyone, Dr. Jamil Syed here, and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast, where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their story, the lessons they've learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret starting today. Today, we have with us Andy McNeil. For as long as he can remember, Andy McNeil has had a heart for hospitality. After 30 years of working in the industry, specialized in serving others, he has helped thousands of organizations build stronger relationships through shared human experiences. He is a successful entrepreneur and founder of AMI, a global hospitality and marketing firm that elevates the corporate meetings experience to the next level. Andy has helped thousands of businesses and Fortune 500 companies travel to unique once-in-a-lifetime destinations. AMI operates in 100 plus countries and works on a global scale with some of the world's top brands, including Salesforce, Mars Candy Bar, PepsiCo, Pfizer, and CVS Health. Andy is the host of the Destination Everywhere podcast, where he and his co-host, Todd Bloodworth, give unique travel tips and destination insights from around the world. Andy, it's such an honor to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Oh, Jamil, thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited to uh, talk to you and uh, talk to your audience today. Absolutely. One of the things I've loved is, you know, in more recent history, so many of my podcast guests, I'm getting to meet them for the first time in alongside my audience. And so you you and I got to connect for a few minutes before and I'm already getting great, great, great energy vibes from you. And you seem like a wonderful soul. And so I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm excited to hear how you uh, help clients as well and, um, and, uh, and, and just really talk about, um, you know, how my history has you know kind of developed our organization as a whole and uh helped everyone grow mm, sounds fantastic and so let's dive in so for our listeners who don't know you yet they haven't heard your story can you please please share with us please share with us rather who you are what led you to where you want to be or where you are now and what inspired you to do what you do yeah well it's been a, it's been a wonderful story uh from a business perspective uh personally as well and, and growing you know through that process but um you know, as long as I can remember, um, you know, back in student council in high school and even before that, I love to plan and execute things uh, to make people happy and feel good. Uh, I was student council president. You know, I was the president of my fraternity and all those things were about building teams and creating cr creating experiences. And I, um, you know, when I started uh, looking for a career I just found myself being pulled to meetings and events because you really can have an impactful experience. And then at about the age of 30, um, which was around 9-11, um, you know, I kind of took a step back and I was kind of in the corporate world while I was in the corporate world, uh, working for a very successful company. And um, I thought I could um, have my own organization that really uh, had my vision about how to do this for clients. And so, uh, you know, 22 years ago, I, I opened up AMI uh, with the vision of uh, providing world-class uh, meeting experiences um, to really um, have a life-changing impact 
uh, through in-person and virtual uh, meetings and events for our clients. And so we do that all over the world now. And um, we have just a fantastic team of people. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do anything in my business without and the, the incredible team that we have uh, created at AMI. And those people, finding those people who have the, the same vision that I do um, and my uh, partner, Todd, uh, to execute meetings that just provide the highest quality service and the greatest experiences and really have an impact on people. Um, it can change people's lives. And so that's how we look at business every day and really trying to kind of, you know, thread that ethro, ethos through um, our business. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And oh, you're welcome. a few things stood out to me that, so I'll start with the second thing you just said, you know, it's like, it's like basically we wake up every day and we wonder how can we change people's lives? And I often speak to my clients about this and I'll tell them some variation of, let's say somebody says, I want more money. Well, what is money? Money is an effect. Money is a consequence of value added to a, to a person or to a group or to the world. And so if you want money, you don't focus on money. You focus on making a difference. And so if we wake yeah. up and we, and we say, how do I make money? And that's our primary orientation. It usually doesn't work out so well. But if our focus yeah. is on how can I make a positive impact in somebody's life today, money follows as a result of that. <laughs> and so it does. It does. And, and then as you're growing an organization, like I said, making sure that those the same your team members have that same that same vision is incredibly important because it isn't about money. It's about having a, a great experience and enjoying what you do every day, uh, whatever that is for you. Um, I think, you know, find, there's a lot to be said about finding your passion. That's an over overused term, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if you are stuck, uh, know that there you're the only person that, that can make that change. You're the only one that can do that. And, and, and by serving others, um, it's a really easy way if you do it successfully and that's your passion, like what you do for a living, for example, uh, you have uh, the opportunity to, to be happy and be fulfilled because it, it isn't about the dollar. Because if, it, if it's about the dollar, um, you're not going to be successful because uh, if you're always chasing the dollar, you're not focused on the right thing to make it. And that is being the best at what you can be personally and professionally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to, to to tag on to that, when we come from a space of getting clear, what is it that I love to do that is of service to other people? And who could I share that with that values and wants it and is willing to pay for it and create that exactly. exchange? And if you do that, life works really well for you. But if you're coming from a space of like we all have in our mind, all maybe virtually everybody, the if I said, imagine what really nasty selling feels like you know yeah. whatever that would be and you got the visual maybe the stereotypical used car salesman or whatever it is but you have this visual of a person who's showing up trying to take from you and i often tell people a distinction between manipulation and influence and like what's the difference they're the same thing the only difference is the intention manipulation is i'm trying to take from you for my benefit and influence is I'm trying to give something to you for your benefit. Now, even if I get paid, it's a win-win. But yep. influence, when we want, we want to be as influential as possible. We're, we're we we're selling a product or a service that we can back up because we use it ourselves and we love it and we feel like it's genuinely going to benefit the lives of the people we offer it to. And then when people who value that service, that product, it's just that match made in heaven. And so things work out really well. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree. You know, this is kind of marketing one on one too. You know, it, you, if you try to sell yourself and your brand, um, that's you know people don't care. They care. You, they care about what matters to them, right? So, what are you providing? What service are you providing uh, that makes them? And so, in in our case, that's creating a shared experience between our clients and their attendees whether that's online virtually or whether it's an in-person program how do we create that culture and that energy inside that meeting room that makes our clients look good to their attendees whoever those attendees are and um, creates a shared experience that's a win-win and when you create those win-win scenarios uh, everybody wins so we really tried to build that culture at AMI and um, we try to uh, convey that to our clients because uh, just because our clients hire us don't, doesn't mean they necessarily know what our vision is. So we kind of try to walk them through that and train them, explain why that's important and mm -hmm. why that can help meet their end goal. And when when you do that, we win, our clients win, and their and their clients win. Yeah, and the world wins. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. doing better. And so one last point I wanted to bring up based on what you shared originally, I look at life and business as relationship games. And so I remember All hearing relationship. Yeah. yeah. I remember hearing um this idea from Jordan Peterson, this idea that imagine you're a little kid and you're in the playground. Now, if the goal is you want to play games, then your goal is to be the kid that everybody wants to play with. And how do you become the kid everybody wants to play with? Is you're the kid that when I play with you, there's a sense of competition, but like sometimes I win, sometimes you win. Like nobody wants to play with the person that wins all the time. And it feels like you lose yeah. all the time and you don't want to play, play with the person where you win all the time. Cause then it's too easy. But yeah. when there's like an actual sense of, we both get to win, it becomes really fun. And so one of the questions that I love to play with is keep it real simple. How can I put a smile on people's face today? Whether it's the people that you love, like family, friends, whether it's your clients, whether it's your customers, but whatever that is, how can I wake up and put a smile on people's face today? If you do that, they're going to want to be around you. They're going to want to refer to you. They're going to want to do business with you. And it's like, I don't know, that Andy guy, something about him. I love spending time with him. And once that happens, business begins to spiral up and grow and grow and you gain momentum. So again, where's that primary orientation? Is it what can I take and take and take or what can I give and give and give? And if you're coming from yeah. a space of giving, and one last thing to keep in mind, um, there's this book, I think it's called Givers and Takers. And the concept in the book is one idea where he says, if I told you there's givers and takers, who do you think is the least successful and who do you think is the most successful? And very often people go, well, you know, the takers are probably the least successful. And that can be true. And then they go, who do you think is the most successful? And it is and isn't the givers because there are givers who give, 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 but they never ask. So they yeah. never ask to receive. And if that happens, you'll give, 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 and you might even build up some resentment because you feel like, why am I not getting back in return? And then if you do get back, you end up getting back kind of something randomly. It wasn't what you necessarily wanted. And so you don't get great results. And then maybe you get burned out. Maybe you quit early because you're like, what's the point? But if you can master that art, like we said earlier, of what is it that I have within me that I'd love to share with others, provide for others that they value, that I can then ask for something in return. And we both are feeling good about it. And if we do that, everybody wins. And so again, how can I wake up and put a smile on people's faces? Oh man, I love that. I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's so true. And I, you know, I talked about, I talk about, you know, we talk about a, a career of service at AMI um, that um, you, uh, we have our ethos that we um, 
and it's on our website. Anybody can see it about what we look for in our employees and our team members. And a, a lot of it is around uh, giving and listening and then, you know, providing value back. And when you do that there, but I love that. I love that concept of give and take because it is true. And most, most entrepreneurs are both because you have to be both when you're building a business. Uh, you have to give, you know, you have to give and sacrifice for your team uh, when it's financially sometimes and emotionally not what you want to do, uh, but you know that it's the best choice for the organization for those individuals. And then and then you're asking a lot of your team on a, on a day to day basis. But you know what? People rise to the occasion. You know, COVID, if it taught anything in our industry. Um, was, you know, uh, who really mattered to, to your organization and who was there for you and uh, um, and what organizations were there for, for their employees. Um, I think a lot of I think a lot of organizations rose and a lot of organizations fell uh, because of that, because if you were all of a sudden you know, going to hold on to everything and and try to to um, <clears throat> to wade through it, you weren't going to survive. You had to invest in your team. You had to. Um, you know, work with your clients to <clears throat> uh, to better uh, to better understand each other and uh, create win-win scenarios that weren't uh, w- before were much easier. Uh, but uh, when when you when you did that, uh, I think uh, the people that did that were very very successful and survived, and those that didn't uh, kind of moved on. Yeah, and two things that come to mind when you share that. First one is when we think of money, oftentimes money is spoken of in terms that are like kind of a water-based. So like currency, as an example, current. Current flows in and out. And so you mentioned the COVID example. If I I decide as a business owner to kind of like lock down everything and stop the outflow, what am I also blocking? The inflow, because they work together. It's two sides of the same coin. So that idea of um, give and take, one of the things I, I encourage all of our listeners to do Never take, only receive. And when we come from that space, it's you give as much as you can and you and then you ask and you receive. And you know, taking is like you know potentially like forceful, right? But when we come from that space of receiving, very often I found people because of whether it's you know things they learned when they were children or how, as they got older, there's these blocks to receiving, whether it's a feeling of unworthiness or whatever it is. A lot of people have challenges receiving, whether it's receiving a yeah. compliment. Yeah, you get it. You give them a compliment, and they they deflect it. Yeah. As, oh no, it was nothing. Oh, no, I I didn't do that. That was Jack. That was so and so. That was Mary. And it's like letting letting it in, you know, allowing somebody to pay you, allowing somebody to you know uh, joyfully say, "Hey, I've gotten so much from what you've given me. Please, like, take this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, right? We all we all have these experiences from growing up and our how our parents interacted with us and the other people that were important on our lives. Um, you know, I'd love to hear from you how you see that and how that impacts people's situation in that where they're not comfortable because of kind of their upbringing. I mean, do you do you see that in your in in, in your practice? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think that regardless of the age of somebody, for our listeners, think of it like this. You, many of you have heard of a, uh, a term, the subconscious mind. Yeah. And so when a child is born, and let's say, you know, they're zero years old, from zero to three, zero to seven, there's different ranges, but pretty much by seven, 
so much of their personality becomes solidified. So much of what they learn, they're in a different brainwave, brainwave state. Their brainwave state is mostly called theta. And in that space, that's the same space you're in when you're in hypnosis, like in a trance. Okay. And so kids are walking around like in this absorption mode. They're like, people call them sponges. Like you probably heard that phrase. Yeah. And so yeah. the little kids looking around and they're modeling, they're looking at parents, they're looking at caregivers, they're looking at whoever, and they're seeing like, how do I live? Like, how's the right way to do things? And let's say parents are, you know, feeling unworthy or the parents are having limitations around money and they're always negatively speaking about people who have money or, or it's like, whatever the thing the kid learns, who do I need to be? to be loved? Who do I need to be to be validated, to be normal, to be special, to receive attention? Because so often we equate attention with love. It's like oxygen <laughs> and we feel like we need it. And if we're not getting it, we panic. And so here we are as children. And if we learn some degree of, oh, don't be, don't be cocky or, you know, some variation of that. And we equate accepting praise, accepting, you know, gratitude and things of that nature as that, then as we get older, we have a really hard time letting any compliment in because maybe we had a very critical parent and maybe that parent, we were never good enough no matter what we did. So here's somebody is saying, oh, Andy, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. Like, that was wonderful. There you go. There it comes. Yeah. Yeah. And at some it. level, it, it like rises up and you're here you are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. You haven't thought about this stuff since you were six. And it's right there in your conditioning. And until it's worked on and released, you have a hard time letting that compliment in. It doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel genuine. But imagine what that would cost you when you were a kid. It's one thing. But now you get older. And let's say you're in a relationship and your partner loves to give to you in various ways, but you block it. You don't receive it. And you'll make up some reason why. But deep down, it's because you don't think you're worthy of it. You know, you, you have a, a product or a service and you catch yourself always giving discounts. You catch yeah. yourself giving things away for free. And your business partner, if you have one, is going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, and then you justify it, a reason why you want to do it. But it's deep down because you don't think you're worthy of that money. And it's like that plays out in all aspects of our life. And I see that all the time. And it's like when we can release that and actually allow the receptivity, you're all you're blocking how much you can give if you're not allowing yourself to receive. And oh, that's and, fantastic. And that's absolutely fantastic. I, I love hearing that, that there's there's options. And I think everybody can work on that, right? <laughs> there everyone, are needs, everyone needs to call you, you know, and what did you, what did you just call it? You call it uh, a reset? Is it kind yeah. of a, a conscious reset? Yeah, I, that's a great way of putting it. You know, it's like, think of it like this. If you've got the unconscious mind, which we all have it, but if you've got it driving the show, then, and you're not consciously aware of it, you've got old programming, like a computer, you've got old patterning and conditioning that when you're not fully present and fully conscious and intentional, like, uh, many of us have had the experience, I'm not proud of it, but you, 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 there you are driving the car and yeah. next thing you know, you're home. You're like, who, who the hell drove the car for the last <laughs> <laughs> Or it's like, you know, you're on the highway and you're on exit 12 and you're getting off at exit two. And next thing you know, you're at two, but you don't remember seeing like seven, six, five, four, and you know, beyond who was driving the car, your unconscious mind, because you've learned how to drive. And so you can do it. You know, I jokingly share with clients in the beginning, you're learning how to tie your shoe. And, you know, prior to that, you're rocking Velcro and life is good. <laughs> and then you learn about shoelaces and here you are trying to figure it out and you're making the loops, but you got to give all your focus and attention. Someone tries to talk to you, you got to block them out because you're going to mess up. But then at some point, 
you're looking at them, you're having a full conversation and just like muscle memory in your fingers. You're able to just tie it, no, no issue. And it's that same kind of thing. Once you can bring a Carl Jung, he was a famous psychologist, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Oh. And so good. this the unconscious oh, really programming, good. yeah, this unconscious programming that's driving all of us, everyone has this, is your programming serving you? And if there's areas of your life in any area of your life that you seem to not get the results that you want, you've got something blocking you. And until that's released, it's going to stay there. And but once we release it, we can bring more consciousness to it. You can install new programs. You can install new conditionings and new patterns and recondition yourself. And now you're getting to create yourself as the version of you you want to be that can create the life that you want. Because the life that you have now, or rather the version of you that you are now, can only create the life that you have now. That's why you have it. And he, and he or she can't create the life that you would love because you'd already have it if you could. Yeah, yeah. You well, that's the point. But yeah. you know, so it's so funny to think that through the context of business and how you you know how how you work your business and some of you, some of your things are just spot on and uh, uh, I I really appreciate you sharing because I think you know how you interact with with your team your uh, your management uh, your team members that are out there supporting you and and creating your vision uh, having those open conversations are absolutely absolutely key maybe we should bring you in that you you sound like. I really know what you're doing. <laughs> we, we could definitely have a conversation. Uh, one thing I'd love to uh, shift to is so much of your bio and our conversation so far has been around hospitality. Can we begin mm -hmm. by defining that? What does that mean to you? Uh, so hospitality to us is so, you know, sir, you know, sir, you know, a lot of people talk about a, a service mindset. We We consider hospitality you know, service with a, with, with a business purpose, right? So you're creating a, a service, a service organization. Uh, you want people to um, be in your organization that are service-minded, that want to help people. You know, uh, there are a lot of people that aren't in the hospitality business, which is fine, and they don't have that service mindset. Uh, we consider hospitality service with a purpose. So knowing uh, what our clients um, are trying to achieve, and make sure that we do that in such a way uh, that meets their goals, but also do it in a very caring way, in a very trusting way. Uh, our business is a very intimate business because you're getting in there, you're in, you're interacting with your clients' clients. Uh, you are making sure that they're having a good experience. You're making sure that all, everything is taken care of, and you're providing that environment that can allow for whatever the goal, the business goal is of, of that client is achieved so it's definitely nuanced uh but uh we we consider the hospitality mindset because uh we're creating that we're creating that atmosphere that situation that room whatever it is that that allows our clients to be successful yeah that reminds me of a uh walt disney quote that i'll paraphrase but it's like help them have such a great experience that they want to come back and they want to bring their friends yep you know? Absolutely. And it's like with hospitality, that stands out. It, it pops up in my mind. And so to go with what you shared, to expand on it, can you share the importance of building your brand through hospitality? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think any organization can build their brand through hospitality. So you don't have to be a service organization like AMI is uh, to do that. You can uh, be, uh, be a manufacturer. You could be a CPA firm. Uh, you could be 
a biotech. So in all those situations, which are all direct examples of our clients, um, uh, they are focused on what they're focused on, right? They're, you know, they're building the best product or the best service that they, they can possibly do. But how do they, how can they use hospitality and the hospitality and the service mindset to take their business to the next level? And so our culture is around serving others. And so creating those little pockets of service and building them into your processes, build them into your phone calls with that you have with clients, building those little nuggets that you put all the way through your organization uh, that make people understand that you you care and that the the service that you're providing to them is, is around around that, making sure that, you know, some examples are making sure that phone calls are answered, you know, in a very positive way that you uh, do what you say and then you follow up, that you're accountable for your actions. Everyone messes up. There's no secret in that. When I get a call from a, an upset client, hey, we messed up. That's okay. And make sure that they know that you're going to be accountable for your actions. So building those little those little steps in your business process, in your culture, are incredibly important. And, th and that is not something that happens overnight, but it's something you can start right away and build upon. And, and being conscious about it, I think that's the most important thing. People assume that you just have a great product, that service, um, that that service focus. That that's not the case. Um, you can have people that are service focused and hire people that are service focused, but if you don't give them the roadmap, uh, uh, they can only take it so far. So to build a, a culture around that, um, you have to put it in your processes. You have to have processes to make sure that you're delivering on what you're going to say. And when you do that, you can build a fantastic business and you can do that in any, uh, what I believe is in, in any industry. And, uh, we like to be a, a shining example for our clients, um, and it's the reason we are we are successful is because we put those those areas in place. Um, but it really does come back to what I said at the beginning is is hiring the right people and making sure that they share your vision. When you do that, and one of the reasons I do these podcasts is I like uh, my clients to hear this, but I also like my my team to hear it to reinforce to them uh, uh, what our mindset is every day. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I use the word culture, which I think so important. And, you know, um, I forgot where I heard this. It was some book I was I was listening to recently, but he was talking about, if I can get this now, there's culture, but there's also like the business side of it. And some people, they focus too much on one and not the other, but you need both. And if you focus just on culture, you got this wonderful place to be, but then you go out of business. <laughs> and if you focus only on the numbers, You'll make money, but like it's miserable. It's not cheap. It's yeah. not cheap. So you know you do need both, and you need, and you need you need the visionaries that can help bring the culture and you know show the vision of where we want to go. But you also need the really really talented people in operations that are making sure that your finances are secure, that your that your operations are are, are running, that you that you're you're delivering what you're promising. Uh, those are those are all incredibly important. So um, you're you're spot on. Um, and anyone that uh, is listening that, that has a business, whether you're you're a, you know a single proprietor or you have a hundred team members, um, what's most important is to to understand the, those those the, those both sides of the coin. And when you do that, and that's you're conscious about that, because sometimes you have to spend a bunch of time over here, which is the process side or the business side. 
And then you're like, ah, I got to get back over here and, and build that culture and drive that and re recommunicate what I'm trying to deliver. And when you do that, you can be incredibly successful. Yeah. You, there's two words that you use that I think were the, or are the magic formula. You care. And the idea that when I think of culture, whether that's internal, like with you, with your team and with your employees and everything like that, or external in the sense of like the, like the, the impact that interacting with me as an individual and or my company has with my clients and people in the world, if people feel like they're just a number, it doesn't work well. And so, you know, if you look at companies that uh, I remember hearing, uh, I brought this up on the podcast, I think a few times in different episodes years ago, I had read this article and it was like the top 20 or something best places to work in the U S uh, yeah. based on, I guess, like uh, internal satisfaction of the people that are there. And one of the companies that comes to mind, it was Zappos that was there. Yeah, and, I remember that. And that company in the article, they said the people that worked there, they loved working there and people would be offered by other companies a lot more money to leave and to go to them. And very often they wouldn't go. And we said earlier, you know, money is an effect, right? So it's like, why, are we, why aren't they taking the more money? Because they're sitting there saying, I love being a part of this organization. I feel like family. I feel like part of the team. I feel like I make a contribution. I make a meaningful difference. I'm not just some cog in the machine. I'm not just some number. Now, your internal team doesn't want to feel that way, but your clients and customers don't want to Absolutely. feel that way. And so if people really feel like whenever I interact with you, I have a positive experience. And like you mentioned earlier, that doesn't mean we don't mess up. But there, is there accountability? Is there, hey, we'll handle it? Is there some way of delighting our customers versus just satisfying them? If you think of it like a scale, that's something I share with people often. Is, yeah. Um, if it, customer satisfaction is never the goal, because that means that they got what they expected. Yeah, you pass that and you go to astonishment and, and delight. It's like, wow. I remember like I ordered something from Amazon and they go, oh, this will be delivered in 10 days. And then I got it three days earlier and I get it and I, I get it in three days instead of 10. And I get an email that says, hey, uh, your your package will be delivered earlier than expected. I hope that's OK. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's OK. Thank you. <laughs> that's a great example for sure. Yeah. And so with that in mind, can we talk about um, how we can use hospitality and service to scale our business? People who are listening yeah. right now, whether they aren't really in this hospitality mindset or they already are. How can they use it in your experience to scale and to grow? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I referenced this uh, a little while ago, and it, it's really about building those processes around um, uh, your hospitality mindset. So, you, so you've built this culture, or you are, you know, a, a service-minded individual, and you want to say, well, how do I make my my bookkeeper that? How do I make my, you know, my HR person like that? How do I make my project manager like that? So, first and foremost is hiring, having the process in place and knowing what you're looking for. So I think what's really important, and I don't think a lot of organizations don't do this, is, um, you know, you have to, you, you create a, a value-based system and then you communicate it and you communicate it on the first call of an interview. So, you know, saying, saying these are the eight things that we look for in an employee, no matter what, where they sit in our organization, Th these are them. And, I, and I've, I've mentioned a few that AMI has that, that we're accountable for our actions, that we don't let our clients see us sweat, even if we're worried about something, uh, that we have a, you have a service, you, you kind of have a service minded 
mindset, all, all those are important for to work at AMI. So having those and communicating those so people understand that's what the expectation is going to be once you come in the door. So, you know, and we're, we're honest about that. We, we ask them, are you, um, is this something that sounds like um, you? And then we also have um, uh, systems we've built and tests we've given that we give that help us identify through questioning uh, that this person really does have that type of service mindset that we're looking for. And so having those processes in place at the beginning, uh, once we did that, we did that about a decade ago, it changed the world. Before that, we were, you know, we called it the we called it the carousel characters. We'd, we'd have all these great people and then we'd have these other people that came in and they just didn't fit the culture. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand that we were a, a, a service a service-centered organization. And then we're like, well, why don't we, did we tell them we were? Did we tell them when we when we hired them that we were? Well, we weren't. So let's start doing that. And then let's test them on that. So, you know, building the organization um, uh, around um, and, and communicating that up front and then putting the processes in place during the hiring, I think is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And then over-communicating that. So once you do that, then you, for, from a, then it's easy to scale, right? Because not easy, it's never easy to scale, but it's easier to scale because you have people on the same page. Everyone knows we're a service-minded organization. Everyone knows that we're accountable for our actions, that, that this is what happens. And then, okay, now let's train on that. Let's retrain on it. Let's train on it again. Here come some new people. Let's train them again and let's get everybody on the same page. And once you get into that, and that takes time, but once you get to that and you have that mission, you, you're now in a place where you can uh, grow easier because you can add people that fit that that process. And and that's what we've done. We've done a great job. We've invested a lot um, to do that. Uh, but you can just start with having that uh, basic value system that you can communicate uh, to your team and to your uh, potential team members. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful answer. And it's brilliant because you know, similar to yourself, I think creating a business and a life around values and principles is such a foundational key to long-term success. And I had taken a note on something that you said, and this idea of for everyone who's listening, who's in a position of firing people, hiring people, managing people, think about it like this. Am I hiring based on just skill or am I hiring based on fit? And when we think about that, I made a note here, Hire based on a fit with values, heart, and desire. Does the person actually want to be here? Do they really um, resonate with what the company stands for? Do they want to do good here? Are they willing to learn, willing to grow? Now, it's not an either or. It doesn't mean they have no skills and you hire them, but skills can be trained. And so if somebody's got amazing skills, but they're not a great fit at all for the company, they end up turning into, you know, you know, forgive the harshness of the statement I'm about to make, they turn into a cancer in the organization. And then you maybe lose, I've experienced that firsthand. There's been many leadership roles in my life. And sometimes out of a wanting to give someone the benefit of the doubt, even though I knew in the moment that they weren't a good fit, but they were great at what they did. Keeping them around caused me to lose somebody who was a great fit for the team because they don't yeah. want to do that anymore. And I think it's important to say that they're not a bad person. They're just in a in a, sure. in a, in a bad situation. They're, they're not in the right situation for them. So yeah. put somebody in that is totally, you know, um, antithetical to what you are, but they, you know, maybe have the skill set like you suggested. It's just the wrong choice because you, you can find that it might take a little longer, 
Um, and then something that I'm very guilty of is not letting people go, um, especially early on when we didn't have these processes that were those people that they just weren't a right fit for the organization, but we didn't either they had a relationship that uh, that we thought was important or had a skill set they thought we we couldn't replace. But some a good friend of mine said this to me. It's like there's almost eight billion people on the planet. There's someone better if they're not there. And if you look at it through that lens, they're absolutely right. Yeah, there's a business um, phrase I've heard years ago. It's it's in business. It's not who you hire that destroys you. It's who you don't fire. <laughs> I love it. And, and so, so with that true. in mind, and so it's like very, very true. Yeah. It's like what you said. And profitability. Profitability is not the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, that that person can lose you tons of business as well. You can't you can't forget that. Um, and if they're not, if they're not, if they're not, you know, really understanding your ethos and, and, and communicating that on a regular basis, you know, that's a, that's a big, a big problem. Yeah. And it's like you said earlier, it's not that they're a bad person, nothing to do with that. The visual that came to mind, like right when I was, as I was speaking, there's a little metaphor is fun, but it, it, people will get, will connect to it. Imagine you're on a road trip, whether it's with family or friends or whatever. And there's like six people in the car. Yep. How does the trip compare when all six people are so excited to be in there and excited to go where they're going versus if you had like one or two that was just so not feeling it and not wanting to be there they will, and they wanted to make it known? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a whole different experience in that car. And a business, so true. same idea, just probably, like, you know, bigger. And so keep that in mind. Do I have the right people on the team who want to be here? Again, I can always build them up. I can always train them in the skills if they've got the right heart and the value fit is there, that's so key. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the Zappos example is one that's well known. Um, uh, but it, it is true that, you know, you need to build a culture and, and communicate that culture out. And then those people stay because, you know, grass sometimes looks greener. You know, I'm going to make 20% more over here. Uh, in my direct experience, um, both with my team members and, there, I get calls all the time that people left for money, which is okay. You know, some people do time and they say, boy, did I make a mistake? Or, you know, is my position still open? Can I come back? And if it's the right, if it's the right fit, and absolutely we'll, we'll bring them back with open arms. But if they weren't the right fit, we would never bring them back in. So uh, the grass can look greener, but it's not always greener. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. In your experience, can you speak to what are some of the best ways you found to optimize the customer experience for people? Uh, great question. So I, th I think it really is about asking questions, about finding what the experience, every experience is different. So we're in the customized meetings business. So every experience that we put on is essentially a new product. Now we have our you know baseline systems processes that we do, but you know listening to what our clients are trying to convey, what their end goal is, what their business case is, are incredibly important because we're a lot of times parrots. We're just regurgitating what they're telling us, helping them nuance it, and then helping them produce an event or a meeting that uh, reaches that business goal. So asking a lot of questions and making sure that, you know, listening, listening, listening is absolutely key. And then being that professional guidance and keeping them on track is incredibly important. We're paid um, to project manage and to make sure that, 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 Mistakes are not made, that um, the experience is, is what the expectation is. 
And all those things have to come together. And that really starts with asking the right questions at the very, very beginning. Yeah, that is so crucial. This idea that you know anyone who's been in you know relationships could probably attest to this. There's a stereotype, this phrase of, you know, you don't listen. <laughs> and like it, it's some variation of that. And one or both partners feels that the other one doesn't listen. Now, so what does that mean? It means I don't feel seen, heard, and understood. Yeah. Now, from that space, if your customer doesn't feel that because you're talking at them instead of asking questions, like you said, and engaging with them and finding out, so tell me, what is it you're really looking for? And you're diving into all that. If they feel heard, seen, respected, and you're competent in what you're doing, then you can provide the value and the service that they're asking for. And probably even beyond that, if you saw something they didn't see, maybe, which is even more value added, things go really well. But if yeah, absolutely, I think the, uh, the only caveat to that, I agree hundred percent with with you with what you just said. The only caveat caveat is if 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 from a uh, a, a business standpoint, you know based on your experience, your system, your policy, um, your past experience, uh, that that is not the right decision. That that you tell them this is my professional opinion. We'll absolutely do that. I'm going to give you the three reasons why I think we should go the other direction, but ultimately it's your decision. I think that's really, really important. The honesty there um, will be respected and they'll say, why, well, you know, I respect that because you're not always right, but you want to make sure that you're providing them kind of that. That's why they're hiring you, right? They're, 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 they're hiring you for your experience and making sure that uh, you're going to meet their business, their business need. Uh, but so you want to make sure that you communicate all of that, even if you disagree. I agree completely. When I was, uh, <laughs> I remember working with patients a couple of years ago and, you know, if somebody comes in, it's like, and it, using that as an example, if they, you go see your doctor and then you go, Hey doc, all right. So this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want. And this is what I want you to give me. Doctor hasn't even looked at you yet. And it's, like, <laughs> let me do the evaluation. Let me just see based on my experience, like what you might need better. <laughs> yeah. WebMD is a pretty dangerous thing, isn't it? Dr. Google. <laughs> Yeah. And so can you share with us so that our listeners can learn from the choices of others? What are some examples of some like horrendous hospitality or some bad hospitality? Oh, my gosh. So I, I always like people because everyone has seen the movie to meet the parents. Mm -hmm. um, and Ben Stiller is uh, uh, standing in front of the, the, the air ticket agent and they're just completely ignoring Ben Stiller and he's trying to get home. And he can't get home, and he sees that frustration, and is that is that complete indifference, right? Mm -hmm. So, what's the antithesis of that? The antithesis of of that is someone that listens, that someone provides guidance, and makes you feel special. And if you can take those three things and 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 put them into your service model, you're gonna you're gonna do really really. I mean, we have it happens every day, bad experiences, but uh, you know how you react to those bad experiences is really um, what um, uh, will, will separate you from your competition. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting when you said how you react to them, this idea that when something doesn't go well and you're the person in a leadership position, do you take the ownership and say, this is on us, somehow we created this, let's fix it, or do you blame? And there are people out there who actually will blame all of their customers and their clients because like thinking that they're the problem but you're the common denominator if it's happening more than once. <laughs> if it's a pattern, if it's a theme here, I remember hearing uh, years ago, Bill Gates was interviewed and he said something like, 
your the customers who complain the most are your best customers because they're the ones who help you, you know, positively the make the product better. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And so can you speak to the power? I know that you're big into creating shared human experiences. So can you give us some examples of how we can create these in our business and why they're so powerful? Yeah. So shared human experiences can be as simple as a, you know, a, a team building call on Monday morning to make sure that um, everyone's on the same page and you're providing support to your team to, you know, having a national sales launch kickoff and making sure that that experience is about creating a, uh, a an engine to, to drive sales. So two very different situations, but what do they have in common? First and foremost is making sure everyone's on the same page, that everyone's communicating that um, uh, that that vision for what it is, and that it's being executed with perfection. And that that's really that that's really where we hang our hat is making sure that uh, we're only as good as our last uh, meeting, we're only as good as our last event. Um, so how do we make sure that we're um, communicating that and then sh- and then taking that vision and taking it on to the next level? Um, so whatever um, experience you're trying to create. It could be, you know, something that's happening in a conference room with a client that's coming in to visit you. What are those extra steps you're going to take to make them feel special? You know, is the receptionist going to offer them, um, uh, you know, a glass of water before they come in? Make sure that they, they've had lunch if it's, you know, close to you know noon and maybe they just rushed in from a meeting before. Just taking those extra steps and being service focused. And so that's different for every client and every organization. But having the conscious conversation about it, I think it's incredibly important because if you don't do it, if, if your expectation, you know what your expectation is, but you haven't conveyed that to your team and you haven't put in the processes uh, to make make that happen, uh, then it's not going to happen organically. And it might happen organically, but it's not, you know, we want to guarantee that it always happens. So having those processes in place um, and thinking about hospitality through that lens uh, will make you a success. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, there's a book called The E-Myth Revisited. And when I read that years ago, there's yeah. a picture that shows up in my mind right now in that book where the author is at some hotel and he's he stayed there at least once, if not a couple times. No, yeah, a couple times he's been there. <clears throat> and he hasn't been there in a while and he comes back and everything is like immaculate and it's all done in a very precise way. But he's noticing it's like the same experience that he had last time that was so good. It's happening right now too. And it happened the time before that. And so he spoke to, I guess, the manager, if that's who the person was. And he said, hey, how is it that the experience has been so like dialed in every time it's been the same? Yeah. The person said, oh, it's because we have checklists. We have like a way of making sure that the customer experience is as great as possible. And like you said, are you leaving it up to chance or are you being intentional and deliberate about it? Yeah, I mean, it's so important, especially when you're trying to scale and grow your business. I mean, the farther the entrepreneur or the management team gets away from uh, the business, the day to day of the business, it's even more important. And that's and that's how you scale. So, yeah, we certainly live, uh, live by that and live by timelines and deliverables um, uh, and uh, educating and training our staff to make sure that they're they're they're. The expectations are there, especially when you're when you're growing, because that, that that's when it gets a, a little dangerous. You got to be really careful about it. Absolutely. Can you share with us? I know you have a book and you have a podcast. Can you tell us about that, please? And what that's what, what those are all about? 
Yeah, so we have the Destination Everywhere uh, podcast, and so uh, we uh, we're trying to figure out a way to uh, bring value to our clients and communicate. So when you're choosing to go do an event, uh, there's two things that that are the first thing that people look at. Number one is date, and number two is location. So when are you going to have it? Where are you going to have it? So those are the two most important things. So. We have uh, uh, compiled through our podcast our favorite destinations and the experiences you can have around them and how you can build them into your meeting. And so um, we uh, operate in a lot of different cities and countries and states, um, and we wanted to be able to convey that so our clients can easily hear from us um, our experiences and what we can we recommend that. And then we also have a digital book, the eBooks. Um, uh, that anybody can download um, that will allow um, people to see those and flip through it. And we decided to make it a digital book so it can go out everywhere. And so anyone can, can download that at destinationeverywhere.com. And that will uh, actually show these shared experiences um, and let you choose your next destination. Mm. I love the name too. You know, when we think of these experiences that are going to be created for people, you know, we said earlier, <clears throat> How can I put a smile on people's face? You know, how can I create? Because yeah. think about it. What's life all about? Obviously, everyone's going to have a different answer to that. But if we really chunk it up all the way, it's like experience. You know, it's like how like how rich of a life can you create for yourself? What what type of experiences can you create? And that's one of the, the big benefits of travel for so many people. It's you're going somewhere that is very different maybe than where you're from. Or you're going yeah. somewhere that the culture is different. You know, the customs are different and the, the architecture, whatever it is, and you see it and it enriches your life. And so we talked about creating shared human experiences and obviously travel can do that for sure. And when you can offer your clients and your customers something that's different than what yeah. everybody else is offering, it's you, you're that person that is the one that- Yeah, and we're always looking for the most, uh, the most unique and the most desirable places to go, but also the most that meet the business needs of our clients. Mm. And so that's different for every client. So we try to communicate those so other clients can see what clients are doing in a way that they see where the experiences are and, and what they can do. And also what the great, uh, not only the destinations, but the great venues are because, you know, venues vary widely and some have great, might be a, a beautiful hotel, but they have terrible service and vice versa. Might be, you know, the hotel's not great, but it's in a good location, but they have impeccable service. So it's important for us to to have that in a, in a way, in a form that people can see and, and um, experience. Yeah. You mentioned also that, you know, we're always looking for how to like the, you know, the greatest things for our clients. And I think it's important. You, you mentioned earlier, we're only as good as our last, you know, at bat or however you phrased it. And with yeah. that in mind, there are people listening. And I say this with love and respect. There's people listening who they accomplished something and it's been a couple of years and you're still like attached to that, not realizing that you've kind of been going downhill. Ever since you haven't been offering that same level of excellence because you're kind of resting on that laurel, that accomplishment, that whatever you want to call it. But yeah. what if you're consistently pushing the boundary? How could I make them feel more appreciated? How can I make them feel more delighted? How can I put that smile on their face? How can I help them grow their business more than they thought they were going to? How can I help them? Like, like you said, let's say there's a destination, there's an event. How can I make it so their customers say, this was the best event we've ever been to? Because yeah. you did the, the work first to vet the place and make sure the hotel was good and this was good and that was good. There's so many ways we can go above and beyond. And I think when you do that, you can't go wrong. Like it's just a matter of time that that success is going to snowball. 
Yeah, and make sure, like I said before, make sure you have the team that connects to you because it can't just be you. Um, but creating that culture is absolutely, absolutely critical. And uh, just taking those few steps, whatever your business is, can absolutely um, uh, pay off dividends uh, more than you'll ever know. Yeah. Now, Andy, the foundation of my work in this podcast is to help people create an extraordinary life without regret. For anyone listening, if they were asking you, Andy, like, how do I do that? How do I create a life like that? What would you share with them? Boy, I think you mentioned it earlier. It certainly made me think is, um, you know, have it through all aspects of your life. Um, that, you know, being successful in business does not translate to your family or your relationship with your kids mm -hmm. or what really is going to drive you um, for personal fulfillment. So really trying to do that across your entire life. And 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 I don't know if compartmentalize it is the best way to say it, but, you know, focus on each one of those areas to make it um, uh, uh, well-rounded. I think it is incredibly important because you can be very successful in one area, but if you're if you if you don't make your life successful in the other areas, you're you're not going to be happy. Absolutely, there's a distinction that I share with clients of harmony and versus balance. Mm -hmm. It's not about balance. Balance is um, not really feasible. So think of it like this: if there was actual balance, you'd be awake twelve hours, you'd be sleeping twelve hours, and then every area of your life would be equally divided with the time allotted. Right. That, that's yeah. balance. That's not going to happen. But harmony is coming from a space of given whatever it is that's important to you, given whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. There might be moments of like 90 percent of your efforts over here and only 10 percent over here. But it's not always like that. And it, you're very intentional and deliberate about it. And it's like that expression of like, be here now. There's people who when they're at home with their family, they're in their mind at work. And when they're yeah. at work, they're thinking about home. And so yeah. it's like, that's not an example of harmony. So it's like, can you create a life in such a way that all the different areas support each other? All the different areas are benefiting. When one area wins, they all win. We started our conversation prior to the recording with this quote that we both like, the rising tide lifts all boats. And so you're the tide, the different areas of your life are the boats. How do we raise you Could so that all the areas, you know, benefit? I think we said we said the same thing in a different way. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> and so if our conversation today, Andy, was your last opportunity to share your message, to share what you want to make sure you leave people with, what would you what would you share? Uh, I would just say that I think any organization can um, be a hospitality driven organization, a service minded focused organization. It just takes the steps and and it takes uh, little steps to start. And then building those processes in place uh, to uh, convey that to your your entire team, your enti entire organization um, is really, really important. And when you do that, you can be successful. And at the end of the day, find something that you love to do, that you're passionate about, that you can get up to do, because we only go uh, on this ride once and you want to be happy doing that. So whatever happy is to you and you're the person responsible for that, you're the person that makes that happen. Uh, so to be conscious of it and, and make the decisions to get you where you need to be. Well said, well said. And what's the biggest decision that you've made, or maybe you might see it as a risk that you've taken that you're deeply grateful for and why? <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's a, that, that's a hard one. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's happened over the course of, of my career 
uh, is is making the conscious decisions to step back from the business and uh, uh, see see where you are, how that's impacting the other parts of your lives, and and, and making changes, not just doing and keeping uh, driving the business the same way all the time. Um, when when we when when I have stepped back and have our team step back we've always moved forward in a more positive way. So just because you're doing it the same way doesn't mean you should be doing it that way. And just because you had that idea doesn't mean it's the best idea. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of owners, a lot of leaders um, get stuck in that situation where, where, where they're being parroted back what they say or what their vision is. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing. So finding that team that's... Uh, and keep it uh, keep you honest uh, and you keep them honest is incredibly important right ah. what would you say that is something currently exciting you that you're working on or working towards uh yeah so we're scaling right now ami is scaling as an organization from a business perspective so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start there um is really trying to um uh figure out how to do that in a successful way. So that's incredibly exciting. Uh, we've been able to uh, bring on some really great uh, clients post-COVID, and we're really trying to uh, build successful relationships with them. On a personal side, you know, uh, getting up there, you know, kind of, you know, after being 30 years in the business is really uh, building a team uh, that is helping the organization be successful and not it all have to be about um, uh, the owners of the business. And that from, from a personal side, that, that gives uh, me more time to uh, be reflective on, on my personal growth, uh, which I see turning back uh, to the business as well. Um, you know, doing a podcast, uh, which I do regularly now, uh, both our own podcast and then speaking to uh, other, uh, other podcasters and, and being on theirs, has been incredibly rewarding um, uh, from a standpoint of providing additional service to our clients, but also from a personal growth standpoint for me personally. And I think that um, would never would have happened if I hadn't uh, set up a team in place uh, to uh, grow the business and uh, put, put my trust in them. Mm. Yeah, you just reminded me of that old quote, something to the extent of, if you want to go slow go alone if you want to go fast like go together like as a team yeah absolutely the right team it's fantastic and so as we wrap up andy how can our listeners learn more about you ami if they want to work together what would that look like absolutely so for uh to uh, reach out to me feel free to find me on linkedin um i, I love uh meeting new folks and and seeing how we can uh partner together so linkedin is the best uh place to find me and i'm andy mcneil um and then from a business perspective, just go to AmericanMeetings.com, which is our main uh, website, uh, where you can reach out to us if you're looking for our services, and we'd love to work with you. Fantastic. I'll make sure I'll have all the links in the show notes, in addition to the book and the podcast and all the magic <laughs> that you've got Thanks, going man. on. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And so for our, for our listeners, if you've enjoyed today, a few things that is a request that I have, please, first and foremost, share it. Share it with people that you believe, business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders of any kind that you think that they would benefit from this. It's gonna, you never know the conversation that can really turn somebody's life around. And this might be it. And you sharing it could be one of the greatest gifts you could give them. 
And in addition, if you enjoyed it, please leave a testimonial or review wherever you're listening to this. It goes a long way. It raises the podcast and the algorithm. More people get to see the show, more people get help. So going back to our conversation today, it's the win, win, win. And so everybody wins. So thank you so much. We will gratefully receive <laughs> your review. <laughs> Andy, anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, thanks for the opportunity, Jimmy. It was an absolute pleasure and best of luck with your podcast and your business. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. And so, as I said at the start of the show, you know, my life's work is to help leaders, champions, and high performers create an extraordinary life without regret. If there's any challenges right now that you're going through and or there's a goal that you have that you think is 10 years out, I've seen that happen over and over and over again where we make that happen eight to nine months. And so if there's a challenge you're going through, there's a goal that you have, you want to realize it faster, I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you'd like some support, you can book that at jamilsayage.com. And if you're looking for more content, obviously you're listening to the show now. So wherever you're listening to this, there's so many other beautiful podcast conversations to enjoy. I've made content on social media now since 2015 or 2014. So there's about a thousand-ish pieces of content on my Instagram at Dr. Jamil Sayage, D-R and then my name. And Facebook and LinkedIn is just Jamil Sayage. It's all free, really powerful, useful, and succinct. It's like a minute or so per piece usually just to give you that nugget that you can use to have that paradigm shift and make your day better. And so sending you all so, so, so much love. I told Andy in the beginning of our conversation today, I call this podcast Transformation Starts Today because I find that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow. And that's why they stay stuck. But you can be different. There's so much that came out of our conversation today that you can use to not only be a better business person, but just to be a, a human being that people want to be around more. And if you do that, again, that rising tide lifts all ships. Every area of your life is going to improve. So take notes, listen to this more than once and make sure you implement you don't want to just, I jokingly tell people when I speak at an event, you don't just want the sexiest notebook in town. <laughs> Having the notebook that's just in a pile somewhere, but you didn't apply any of it, your life isn't any better. But if you actually apply the insights you've, you're taking from today, your life can change in beautiful, beautiful ways. And so sending you all so much love and looking forward to the next time we connect. Take care. Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review and shared this with anyone who may benefit. An extraordinary life without regret is available to you now. Choose it. It's your time.